maximum today. I think we're gonna do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. We're excited to have you. And as always, we appreciate the time. I'm going to really quick remind you to hit that subscribe button for a new episode each and every single week. And please share this with somebody if you get value from these episodes. And don't forget to leave us a rating so we know how we're doing. We're on a mission here to connect men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and putting wind in each other's sails. I'm excited to have our guest today, Allison A. Armstrong, author, educator, creator of Understanding Men and Understanding Women, and this amazing CD that I've been playing on repeat, The Amazing <laughs> Development of Men. Allison, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. I love what you're up to. Thank you so much. And um, as, as we kind of mentioned before hitting record that I, I love to make sure that uh, our audience and the guest has an opportunity to get acquainted and the guests can kind of introduce themselves in their own words. So I would love for you to take a moment and let the audience know a little bit about your body of work and, and who you are. Oh, wow. A little bit. Um, okay. So I was, I was born an activist. And always compelled to speak up for anyone who can't be heard. And um, that led me to homelessness and hunger. And then what was happening with children. And then working on that led me to what was happening with their parents. And personally, I'd started studying men in 1991. And they collided. And, um, and mostly who I've been speaking up for, um, for the last almost 30 years or more is men, um, because mostly women can't hear men. Um, we have these filters that, um, basically listen to any way you try to be understood by us as a poor justification for bad behavior, mm-hmm. um, which you're because you're supposed to be like women and you're supposed to think like women and talk like women and feel like women and do what a woman would do at her very best all the time and when you don't you should be punished and you should be um your power should be limited because you can't be trusted with it mm-hmm. and um and i started out as that woman yeah. <laughs> i was that woman in 1991 And uh, when I found out I was a frog farmer, which is a woman who, instead of turning frogs into princes, Mm -hmm. turns princes into frogs. And that was a revelation for me, like yours in the hospital all those years ago was, oh, my gosh, I am bringing out the worst in men and blaming them for it. Yeah. Whoa. Right. And so it was a it was a game changer. And. I'm. I love men. I'm your biggest fan. And um, when we led our live courses for men, they're like, what am I going to learn from a woman about being a man? And, you know, about an hour later, they'd be like, my bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, um, I owe most of my life to studying men because I, grew up in a culture that thinks that men don't respect women. Mm. And I found out how much, how much you love women, how much you admire women, how much you're in awe of women, how much you need from women. Yeah. Um, 
gay or straight doesn't matter. There's something unique that women bring to the table. And especially if we're doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, and I'm a mom. I'm a human mm-hmm. mom of three <laughs> kids, including my son, who's 34. And I'm a dog mom. Nice. <laughs> He's a <dog> dad. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a horse and a donkey <laughs> and a tractor. <laughs> And, yeah. and I was out moving hay this morning. Yeah, <laughs> so, out in um, Colorado, correct? Colorado, 21 <laughs> degrees out, supposed to snow on Thursday, limited amount of time I had to get her done. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's amazing. And, and I just got to say, um, on the podcast and with it being recorded, thank you for your work, um, because it really is helping men. And it's, it's definitely helped me not just um, understand myself and kind of what I was going through, but also help me learn to articulate it with uh, with my now wife and kind of discuss what's going what, what I'm going through, because sometimes yeah. us as men just don't have the words for, for what we might be going through. We might feel this pressure and, and you do reference a lot of sometimes when, you know, if my wife is giving me the multiple choice, what you mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> and she, well, is it this, is it this, is it this? And I was like, well, that, now I don't even know what it is. Um, but, and obviously with all the work you've done, um, you, you have a lot of different works that you, you've put your time into and one mm-hmm. that really stuck out with me because it really resonated with me that I want to talk about today was the amazing development of men and mm-hmm. the, the talk about the the evolution from pages to knights to princes and, and into kings and I even have a group for the modern man called noble knights right in terms of wow. picking up our sword and and you know pushing forward into the men that we know we can become so I'd love to hear kind of the the insight on that development from pages to knights, princes, and kings, exactly what they are. And then we can kind of dig a little deeper in those different stages afterwards. Yeah. Um, and because it's recorded, both the amazing development of one, amazing development, my mouth, <laughs> the amazing development of one, then the original one, right? It's like just really down and dirty. This is the stage. This is when it happens. This is how you can tell this is what men can provide. This is what they can't provide no matter how, what they care about you. Cause it's how you did it originally for women. And then part two, right? Which is amazing de- development of men. I forget what the rest of it is called. I think, it's the second um, edition. I think that's second the like. edition. Yeah. yeah. Um, it builds on the first edition. Cause I hate being redundant and um, and I think the down and dirty part is that our brains and our sense of self and our um, how much it, it matters just to be true to ourselves develops in very predictable stages that I used to think was exclusive to men <laughs> until I found myself coming out of the tunnel <laughs> yeah. and, and speaking like a king. And then I found myself saying things that elders say. So um, a woman with a mission, which I've been since I was born, um, you know, subject to all the same things. And the, the underlying message is, um, is that there's nothing wrong with you and where you're at and what you're focused on now Mm -hmm. and um like commitment you know women are always upset with men about commitment because we don't understand it Mm -hmm. we don't understand 
we don't understand how much we're compelled to attach, <laughs> to bond and to pair for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't understand that we actually can do all that without ever committing. Yeah. Right. And when you look up the word commitment, it's it's to be entrusted with something. Right. When we commit, we're saying, yeah, I'll take care of that which is why it's huge for a a man to get engaged. And I was going to ask you this before, um, because I know you said you got married a year ago, but I was wondering when you got engaged. Yeah. How long before that? Ooh, um, we were engaged for about two years. Um, Yes. It was a long engagement. (laughs) Well, I actually think it's awesome to have a long engagement, but my um, understanding from talking to men about it is you really got married when you got engaged. Correct. Yes. (laughs) You committed and started acting like a husband, right? Which is very confusing to women because our getting engaged, we don't actually commit in the kind of weird way that we do until we're standing in front of however many people taking those vows. Mm -hmm. And so there's an out of sickness in engagement because as a man, you're all in. This is my wife. I got to take care of her. We're in, we're in this together. Everything she does affects me. Everything I do affect her. And she doesn't know that. <laughs> I could admit that I think when I decided to propose was about six months prior. Um, I already started saving for the wedding. I already, like, so yeah. maybe with the decision to propose was like yes. all the behaviors changed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, exactly. Exactly. And um and so, and so, for example, you're talking about men in the night stage, right? In the night stage, I've learned so much since since I made this recording. So, if it's all right with you, I would, I just, I want to add on to what yeah. people can already get. And um, so, in the night stage, it's what the way that I think of it now is it's about developing and testing. Mm-hmm. developing and testing. So you have your, there's a skill that you want, a knowledge that you want to have. There's something worth doing to you, worth being uncomfortable with, worth having to grow, worth having to be a novice. And so you commit to developing that. Mm-hmm. And then, and and notice the part I said, you think it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not your teachers, not your parents, not your community group, not your maybe religion. Like it, you have to think it's worth doing. Nobody can talk you into it. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing women don't know. <laughs> and so, so you think it's worth doing. And then there's the testing part. So you keep checking to see the level of your skill or ability or strength or whatever, however it lives for you against other, usually other men, right? Mm -hmm. Against other people. It could even be against an idol, right? Like, am I as good at it as that guy is now? And, and I watched because of my son, I got up close and because of my boyfriend's son who travels as a posse mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're, they've been part of my life now for over a year and I get to watch them. They just went off to college. Right. Yeah. And, and but, but one of the things my son taught me was that he would get like with surfing, right. He skied this, he skied, he surfed yeah. this famous wave 
in Indonesia called Nihiwatu. And he did it. He it was recorded. He aced it. And at the end of it, he decided that what it would take to go to the next level of surfing <laughs> wasn't worth it to him. Yeah. And so he looked at how could he replace what surfing provided and he started rock climbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and so there's that part is really important for us to appreciate. And whether you're a dad or a mom or a girlfriend or a friend, friend, male or female, those are the places to connect with a knight. And trying to get her to talk about his feelings. His brain hasn't quite connected to his feelings yet. Mm. Wait about 40 years and he will speak feeling fluently. And you may want him to shut up about it. But levels of testosterone, which gives him all that ambition and energy and sex drive and endurance, those those levels of testosterone prevent the connections to feelings. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a biological thing that's going on. And so if we really want to feel close to a man in the night stage, it's honor the process of development and competition that he's in, even if he's competing with his last score mm. and let him talk about it. What he's excited about or frustrated about instead of, Oh, that's stupid. Video <laughs> games are stupid. Video games are not stupid. Mm. Video games develop immense skills and they're designed to appeal to men because you get a point for every move you make right? Mm -hmm. This is a lesson to women. Yeah. (laughs) And if you take a big risk, you get more points. Another lesson to women. And if you fall off a cliff and die, you don't have to go without sex for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Right. Because you made a mistake. You just press reset. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay. I'm still, I'm still here. It's okay. And then video games never drag you to the next level the way a woman will try to. Mm-hmm. Or even a, a job will try to. Oh, you'd be great at management. I, no, I'm not ready to be a manager. Oh, but you ought to be a manager. No, I don't want to be a manager yet. <laughs> right? yeah. We're always trying to drag men to some next place instead of respecting that you know you better. Mm-hmm. You know you better. Go ahead. Speaking <laughs> of that, well, that, that touches on something you talk about um, and kind of in in the print stage when when someone, let's say a man has picked what they want to do. Maybe yeah. they don't want to be the manager, but they've picked something. Um, I love how you talk about the concept of men don't try. They engage. Right. We're not going to we're not going to just try something. We engage in something that we think will have a high probability of success. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit more about that because it's kind of when, when someone's trying to push something on us or someone's like, oh, do this, do that. And we're just kind of like, no, from the outside looking in, we might look indecisive, we might look lazy, or we might look like we're just kind of honed in on something. But the reality is we, we might be looking for something to engage. Yes. Oh gosh, so much to say. Um, <laughs> so I call it the worth it calculation. And it's something that I've noticed men are constantly engaged in. You're paying attention to what will what will this cost me in terms of time and energy and money to do it? 
Um, what will it cost me in that I won't be able to spend that on something else, right? So what have I lost opportunity-wise? And then what's going to be the return? Mm. How important is this? And and who does it matter to? And And what are my odds of succeeding? And if I can't succeed 100%, what will still be the return on investment for what I learned in the process? Right. Because you could actually do something you think you're not going to win at from the outside, but you've redefined winning. Right. Yeah. If I can get one serve pass on Agassi, right, it's worth it. <laughs> right. Like it's just you guys are so organized around winning. You define winning. Like if I get the whole date sucked, but I got her to smile once. <laughs> I'll take that smile. <laughs> I'll take that smile and I'm gonna ask her out again. I'm gonna get two smiles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of somebody else watching, you'd be like, why would you ever want to do that again? So it's it's very much internal and um I I think it's beautiful. Um but yeah, you have to think however you're defining success, that you have a very good chance of achieving that. And Something I'm teaching women all the time, and I would encourage all of you as men, when a woman's asking for something that you're like, it doesn't occur as worth doing, ask the question, what would that provide for you? Mm. And if she's like, well, duh, that's obvious. I'm not moving until you answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) Because you may find out in her expressing what it provide that it has an importance that causes it to be worth doing that you would never have thought of. And especially things that allow women to be peaceful in their own environment, right? Like I've taught men, if if you want to get a woman to bed, make the bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If the bed's made, she can be in her bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the first that's the first step. <laughs> <laughs> I found that where for my wife, what I try to do, and and you could let me know if I'm hitting the nail on the head or if I'm completely off, and I don't mind being wrong on the podcast, but um, I try and just make her life a little easier. Kind of that's mm-hmm. some of her love language too. But when she comes home, like I'd want her to come home to a clean home, come home with the dishes already done, the bed made, because I know her brain is going to come home. And no matter how lovey-dovey I am, no matter how much I'm giving her attention, which she says she wants, her mind is going to go to, okay, well, the laundry needs to be done. Like she's going to have all these lists of things. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking however much I can knock off of her list of things to worry about, that probably gives her more time to pour into me like she wants to. I hope I'm heading in the right direction with that thought process. Um, a way better than the right direction. And you would know the proof if she can come home and... She probably needs to transition a little bit mm-hmm. and then can be present. But um, what you might not know that you've actually done is it's not that we have a list in our head of what has to be done. Um, everything that is out of place um, is dirty, is ugly, is unkempt. And that unkempt depends on the woman. Mm-hmm. It actually talks to us. It's mm-hmm. as if... <laughs> Someone said, so women have voices in their heads? They're like, no, I don't have a voice in my head. The pillow has a voice and it's saying I'm crooked. And and the dishes have a voice and they're saying, we are the source of the smell in this house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We stink, right? (laughs) And so we don't want to do all that stuff. 
we're nagged to do that stuff and we can't sit and be peaceful. Mm-hmm. And that's why the made bed and a tidy bedroom and a made bed, a woman can be present in it instead of jumping up every moment to fix one more thing. Mm-hmm. So you're you're actually giving her the gift of presence and then she can decide what to be present to or you can decide together and a phrase that I love, oh my gosh, my boyfriend, and I use it all the time, is if you had it all your way, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had it all your way, how would tonight go? If you mm-hmm. had it all your way, what would we do for dinner? If you had it all your way, how much time would you get to yourself before we really get to connect? Because I can't wait to be with you mm-hmm. if you had it all your way. And that invites someone to actually look and and choose things that aren't just like a normal list or mem or menu of what's possible changes everything. Yeah. How can, how can we navigate the, um, the Prince or like the building stage? Cause um, I, I believe in the book you mentioned. So like the night stage is kind of uh, for anyone that hasn't gone through it. It's in the adolescent stage up until like the twenties or thirties, I believe. Uh, it starts at puberty. Yeah, starts at it puberty. Starts at puberty. Um, average age of puberty, eleven and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it it when it ends depends on what's happened for him, mm-hmm. and and then <laughs> and then it shifts to building, and that can the youngest prince I ever knew was twenty four, um, but usually it's in late twenties, early thirties. It can even happen in mid thirties or even into the forties, but yeah, it's when you, you, you see a hill, a hill that's worth climbing mm-hmm. and, and you can, you see enough of a path <laughs> to begin. Yeah. Yeah. In the drive, um, progress is everything on that path and getting stuck or stymied or, missing um missing the career opportunity right that was really dear to you it can it can cause grief and it can cause questioning the whole thing right yeah and um but also and i love this about men is you keep does it keep feeding you does it keep being the thing that you need that you want to do like you know my nephew got a degree in criminal science and was going to be a policeman and went on a write about and went back to school and got his degree in business yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he was like oh no this isn't what i thought it was and and that can happen mm-hmm. how do we navigate the communication with our partners when it comes to that hill because a lot of times we're focused on the next step in front of us or we're focused on how much farther we have to go. And, and I'm sure a lot of the guys watching and some of the women watching, they're like, they're not paying attention to me. They're, they're working or even conversations my wife and I have had where she's like, you rather work than be with me. And I'm, and I'm saying, but I'm, I'm working for us. And, yeah. and, and sometimes there is that disconnect in, in that process that I think a lot of us guys feel bad about, but we also don't know how to articulate. Yeah. Um, so 
So what you listen to, you could think of as the nonfiction version. Those are audio recordings. Mm. And um, the first book that I ever published um, is called Keys to the Kingdom. And it's a story with four characters, um, two men and two women. And you get to be inside their heads. So it's from four different points of view. And that book distinguishes that the main heart of it is are the stages of development, because one of the characters um, is terrified. Her husband, she finds out <laughs> from her teacher, is in the tunnel. She's seen so many couples break up at this point. He won't commit to anything. And she's Jones and they have kids. And um, and then she from her teacher, Claudia, she comes to understand everything things she's known him through because they met in college. So she knew him as a knight and she's known him as a, as a prince and she's been hurt by not being the priority. And there's a, um, I talk about these books just, just so you know, I didn't write them in the normal sense of the word. I did all the research. And then when it came time to write this screen opened up about right here <laughs> and a movie started playing and I typed as fast as I could. Yeah, it was very mystical experience, but 45,000 words in eight days. No one wow. can write that, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, Queen's Code, 96,000 words in three weeks. <laughs> so there's a there's this thing that Bert says in Keys to the Kingdom where he was talking about um, that he had a choice as a prince. He, he had a choice. To have his wife upset with him for her not spending him not spending the time with her she wanted, or for him to be upset with himself mm. for what he knew he needed to do and was not doing. Mm -hmm. And and that it was upset with himself was much more difficult. He he would put up with, be with, try to fix her being upset with him. But being ups upset with himself was just gnaw at him. And that's the thing that women don't understand is the drive for a prince is so intense. And the, the need to build, the need to do the next thing, the need to do everything you think you should do. Right. You have your own ethic. You have your own standards for yourself and you judge yourself harshly. <laughs> we do. <laughs> you do. And that's something that women don't know is how much men hold themselves accountable and for and how and how how ashamed you feel when you think you've done harm, even to yourself, like when, if you think you harmed your own career by not doing that thing you need to do, mm -hmm. the shame that you will feel about that can literally disconnect you from your own spirit. Mm. And, and that's the real source of deep depression. You, yeah. you disconnect, you're disconnected. And so, I mean, something that, I got taught by men when we created our course for men being an extraordinary man was how to help men restore their honor. And, um, it's very simple, noble forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it, but it, it's something you can provide for each other. And if, you know, whether now or you want to come back, um, easy to teach you to do it. Um, and 
it's miraculous what happens. Yeah. I'd actually love for you to jump into that a little further, because I mean, I know so many of us can be so hard on ourselves and, and for the time that we have, I would love for, for the men watching to get the benefit of learning that noble forgiveness. Cause the shame that we carry, we avoid our own reflection in the mirror sometimes because yes. we just can't linger and look. So if there's yes. any tools or strategies we can give to kind of help move that forward, please. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to. Um, let's see. So I'm going to tell you the simple part, the process, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to fill in the background. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Because the process is so simple and you can even, you can do it in writing or you can tell it to another person or you could look in the mirror and do it. Okay. And you finish the sentence, I harmed... And then you fill in the blank, right? It could be, I harmed my wife. I harmed my mother. I harmed Susie Q. I harmed, right? I harmed my career, right? And therefore myself, I harmed, fill in the blank, by, um, and then I put a slash, by or when, by this, or when I. And you provide you no justification, no explanation, just I harmed myself when I, when I bought into my father saying I was stupid. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, it does. Or I bought into people saying I was never going to amount to much. Right? It's one of the ways we most harm ourselves, right? We buy into the baloney that other people say. So, um, so I harmed, fill in the blank, by or when, finish the sentence, period. And then the next part, is just this simple statement again to the someone listening to you and how they're listening to you. I'll come back to the simple statement. I own that. Mm. And that's what you're doing in your article on LinkedIn. Yeah. You're, you keep owning, owning, owning every part of what you did to your own health and well-being. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Right. I own that. And then the next part, those are the noble come in, comes in. The next part is I forgive myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Huge. I forgive myself. Now, what happens when you forgive yourself, and you may have to do it over and over again, what happens you forgive yourself truly is a space open up, opens up. In the forgiving of yourself, you're reconnected to your own spirit. And that spirit calls for expression. So space opens up to commit to something. Mm. Right? Which is also something you expressed in your article. I am never going to be here again. Still (laughs) haven't been. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And... And you made many other commitments, right? To ask, to speak up, to share. And, and, and that's what happens when we forgive ourselves truly is there's just this space that wants us to put ourselves back into life mm-hmm. in, in a new way, often a bigger way, right? And, and this is why we call it noble. Because, and when we face it, it's it's good to face, and I face this many times myself, not forgiving ourselves, just being sick on that shame actually has benefits. Mm-hmm. 
It has benefits. And one of the benefits is it will keep us from putting ourselves back in a game where we lost big. Yeah. <laughs> it protects us because we just don't go to that part of life. No, I don't do relationships. No, I don't do career. I don't do manage people because I failed at it. I don't do own a business because so many people got hurt when I failed. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. We just don't go there, which is actually a way to protect ourselves mm-hmm. from failing again. Yeah. And so when we own it and then we forgive ourselves and then there's this space, <laughs> that's what's noble. Noble comes from the word that means generous, mm. right? It also means great, right? You know, yeah. the noble knights. Yeah. So, so we're being great. We're being extraordinary when we put ourselves back in the game. Put me in coach. Yeah. <laughs> I know I got busted up last time. Yeah, put me in coach. <laughs> And so, so the first side of it is being willing to give up the benefits of the protection of that team. Mm-hmm. The other part of it that's so important, Ted, is many men think that shame, they feel shame because they're dishonorable mm. and that they don't deserve to be forgiven. They're a dishonorable person and they don't deserve to be forgiven. But what we got to unwind is only honorable people feel shame. The shame is actually an indication of your honor. Dishonorable people hurt and harm people all the time and feel zero shame. Mm. So the shame doesn't mean you're dishonorable. The shame means you are honorable and you violated your own standards you violated your own values and someone got hurt in the process even if it was you and so when you can get that right that no this is you restoring your honor this is your putting yourselves back in the game taking more risk giving to life Mm -hmm. right not just taking and being on for the ride you got your paddle in the water right and and this is the key to listening, that when a man is saying, I, I hurt somebody bad when I, when I did something bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't confess to any crimes. You make them an accessory. Policeman taught me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did something bad when I did something. I hurt somebody bad when I did something bad. <laughs> yeah. And the other person says, thank you for owning that. Mm. And, and that's the key because women interpret shame as a as feeling bad and we never want men to feel bad so when a man is ashamed and one of the ways you guys express it is somebody you love got hurt maybe your little sister your big sister got hurt and you'll and you'll keep saying i should have been there i should have been there Mm -hmm. and a woman will say honey you couldn't have been there right you she was a halfway across the world you couldn't have been there we think that'll make you feel better. No, you're just telling me I'm not Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm Superman. I think I could have been there and I should have been there. And you're telling me I'm not that good. That doesn't actually make me feel better. Yeah. That right? just kind of throws the dirt on top. <laughs> it's just gross. It's just yeah. gross. And we don't know it. Right. Mm-hmm. So when whatever you're expressing shame over. If I'm listening to you as an honorable person, which is one of the biggest gifts we can give each other and that your community can give each other, yeah. it's thank you for owning that. I love that. Yes. <laughs> you drive that moment. Yeah. And 
And then when it comes time, like, okay, so do you forgive myself yourself? I will. Not yet. Okay, then what else do you need to say about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I also hurt this person when I did that. Thank you for owning that. Do you forgive yourself? No. Okay, what else about that? <laughs> you get it and tell that someone can like stop and in real time, I forgive myself. Yeah. And it, what's important when you really do forgive, like I spoke about, the space opens up to commit. Don't decide what you're going to commit to before you've forgiven yourself. Because anything you decide before you're forgiving yourself is going to come from being disconnected to your higher self. And it's usually to do penance or make up for what you think you did wrong. And it's it's not powerful. Mm. It's just, it's kind of like... Um, I'm just going to try to fix it or I'm going to keep punishing myself for it instead of wait until you've truly forgiven. And then the space to commit often what comes out of your mouth, you, you never even thought, but it's so true for who you are. Oh it's yeah. Like, <gasps> like we don't even <laughs> recognize ourselves. Like, wait, where, where did that come from? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we, but, well, I don't, our identity doesn't recognize us, right? Because yeah. our identity is this shameful, small, dishonorable person who everybody's better off without, which mm. is why men commit suicide. When they decide people are better off without me. Because yeah. you always, you do everything to provide, including commit suicide. It, it, it's heartbreaking, but mm. it's true. You always do it because you think people will be better off. You even leave like dads leave their children. Sure. They're going to be better off without them. Yeah. And women don't know this, right? They'll, he's just a deadbeat dad. Yeah. Maybe you're missing. Actually, he's very consciously deciding that it, he watched your children as you two fought yeah. and knew they'd be better off. Not around that. Right. And mm-hmm. so obviously, you see, I'm trying to change, like, think of things. But when you reconnect to your spirit, greatness is there and and it'll you may not recognize it compared to your past or your identity. But the ring of truth, right? Yeah. the ring of truth is undeniable. And when we embrace that and and kind of lean into the commitment from that purity, right, from that spot of mm-hmm. forgiveness and we we commit to that growth. And I know you mentioned the process. It, it, it's it's not a short one. It's not a long one, but we always say anything worth att- obtaining isn't supposed to be easy. <laughs> so after committing that, and, and I want to touch on really quick as we have a, a few more minutes yeah. left here is the transition into that, that King phase. And, and I know yeah. um, that's probably what a lot of people listening want to kind of hear at the end, kind of give them that, that picture of what it looks like to be a King, because there's a little bit of a rough spot before that, the tunnel that you kind of alluded to before that could kind of be almost really the, the hardest part for, for some guys to go through and even some relationships to last through, as you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to learn this up close and personal. Um, so you can tell that you're in the tunnel, um, when you have had like, you know, this goal, this purpose, you're on it, on it, on it. And you're almost there. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I can taste it. And then all of a sudden you're doubting yourself. 
Why do I do this anyway? Mm-hmm. And that's what's useful about Keys of the Kingdom, because you get to be in Mike's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get to see what it's like to be in the tunnel. And and it's it's made a joke of in our culture. It's called a midlife crisis. And there's a bunch of not helpful things out there, um, which is why I published The Amazing Development of Men in Keys of the Kingdom. And um, I consider it a sacred time um, when you're really looking at what had you pick this particular mountain. And, and you may now see that while it was valid in many ways, that you actually betrayed yourself in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so that noble forgiveness, right, is important um, for the shame that that can be had. And what I learned since I recorded it, Ted, is that a man goes into the tunnel and he can do that anytime from early 30s to my dad was like 60 when he was in the tunnel. Um, So going into the tunnel is characterized by um, recognizing how much you've adapted to other people and betraying yourself to be adaptable, to be accepted, to be pleasing, to be respected, to be looked well upon. And it makes you sick to see what you did. So perfect. We just taught noble forgiveness, right? Yeah. And, and then what we what I've learned, what it takes for someone to come out of the tunnel, so their perfect bookends, is as the clarity of who they really are and what they care about and do not care about at all, as that develops, then you start to see what you think, what you may be hallucinating or you may be dead right, mm-hmm. um, it will take to not adapt. Oh. Right. So everything that you adapted and now and I, I know a man who's in the tunnel for eight years mm. because it he was so afraid of what it would cost him to not adapt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a Catholic priest. Oh, yeah. And, and saw hard. that he needed to not do that anymore. And he, but he, it took him that long to go from the, the shame of adapting to scared to death of how many people he would disappoint by not doing it mm-hmm. and by, by leaving the priesthood. And, it, and that's why it took him so long um, because he didn't really have help in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so confronting what it's cost you to adapt and what it will cost you to not adapt and be, so what, I'll pay the price because I'm not going to betray myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned, and I know you mentioned kind of if we pro it gets longer, if we try and avoid it. And we've said this story uh, on the podcast before about the cows and the Buffalo. Um, and you might be familiar. Uh, no. how they, so they say how in, in a storm, the cows, they run as far away as they can from the storm. And then they end up stuck at the fence and the storm rolls over them anyway. But the uh. Buffalo run right towards the storm. But by running towards the storm, they run through the storm and they shorten yeah. the impact of the storm on them. And we've said before, you know, be the buffalo and run into the storm because you're going to go through the through it anyway. You're going to get it anyway. So <laughs> face it head on to kind of shorten that length of time a, a, as much as possible, because yeah. I think we would all like to eventually get to that development stage of of knowing what it's like to be a king in our own right, king in the, in our world. Yeah. And I, 
and I think um, some the mistakes some people make is they equate king with material success. Mm-hmm. And so they think someone's not a king, right? And if they don't, you know, have all kinds of things to show for it. But that's not what a king is. A king is a man who is clear about who he is, what he stands for, what he's not interested in, and and who are his people. This is my kingdom. These are the people I provide for. Mm. And this is how I provide for them. This is what I have to provide for them. And like, like one man said, don't ask me for what I can't give. Yeah. Ask me for what I can give and I'll give you all I've got. Oh, man. And yeah. And that's what women have to check into. Like, there's what you can give now. As a middle prince, there's what you can give your wife. Mm-hmm. And, and being upset about what you can't give is just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. finding out what you can give and is there anything I can provide that would free up time for you so we could connect more yeah. right so it's it's being on the same team it's partnering right mm-hmm. um and the same thing with the king being really clear what he stands for and don't try to mess with it mm-hmm. right my husband was a, a king before we met and he was an elder when he passed away three and a half years ago and my boyfriend of two years was a king when we met (laughs) and on his way to being an elder right and it's it's just fascinating because of what you as men have taught me how closely I could pay attention to what matters to him and what doesn't what matters to him and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and sifting it out like the reality from all the assumptions yeah Right. Like you, you know, like if you said, okay, uh, tall, handsome, millionaire athlete. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Let let the BS roll. Right. Everything you would think and every that that a person would be like, who is that? Mm -hmm. And you'd be wrong. You'd be 100 percent wrong about my boyfriend. Even though all those things are accurate as an objectification, no, he is the most down to earth, kind, compassionate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even we caught our fifth raccoon this morning. <laughs> oh, still, wow. And some of them have been nasty. And he's like, yeah. I am compassionate for all critters. I am <laughs> compassionate for all critters. Yeah. So. So we have to get more curious. Who is this person, right? There's the looks like, but who are they really? Mm. And you you know this, Ted. You guys so want to be seen for who you really are. Yeah. You're just not going to divulge it because innately you conceal. You're a warrior, for gosh sakes. You're going to conceal anything that can be used against you. Mm Mm-hmm. So someone's got to pay keen attention to listening to you. What's important to him? What's important to him? What's important to him to find out who you really are? Yeah. And it's worth it. Yeah. Allison, thank you so much for paying attention. Thank you so much for your study, your work. And I... I definitely have to get keys to the kingdom now. That's going to be the first thing I do right after this. But I want to make sure that the audience um, can read, follow, listen to some of your work. How can they get in touch with you, find some of the resources and and all the work that you've been doing? 
Um, the best place is alisonarmstrong.com mm-hmm. and uh, Keys the Kingdom, and it's the prequel to the Queen's Code, which is the real heart of the matter of how men are motivated and why women don't understand it. And strongly recommend to get the audiobook because yeah. we've discovered people when they read it to themselves, they don't see the movie I watched. Mm. And and our prejudices will get in the way of hearing the characters as they really are. Yeah. And um both really cool, illuminating, sexy stories that unfold in shocking, surprising ways. It still surprises me. I laugh, I cry. <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I'll definitely have that link in the show notes too for our audience to take advantage of that as well. And um, Allison, I'm gonna recap some of some of the uh the tidbits that you left along the episode, because I know a lot of folks are probably driving or listening to music while they do it. So I'm gonna run through that really quick before we close out. Uh you mentioned frog farmer. Uh, early on. And I know you mentioned a lot of what men do is reacting to women. So for any guy that feels like they've just been a frog, um, maybe you're reacting to the women in your lives, right? Um, Understanding commitment and the difference between trying and engaging, engaging in what you have pretty much a a high uh, probability of succeeding in and understanding the difference between the two. I loved when we went through the, if you want to get your wife or your partner into bed, make the bed. I had to make sure I added that tidbit in there. And the the noble forgiveness. So many of us are walking around with shame and I'd really love for the men to use that practice. I harmed blank by or when I, and finish that sentence and then own that and whether it's you in the mirror or someone with honor looking back saying, thank you for owning that. We all deserve that noble forgiveness. And through the development, whether it be a knight that's listening, whether it's a prince climbing up that hill or you're going through that tunnel in your emergence as a king, continue on that development to find who you really are, who you're about, what you are about and what you're not about to be a king. Allison, thank you so much yet again. And I thank the audience for making it to the end with us. If you got value from this, please hit that rating button, hit that subscribe button and share it with a friend. It would be the best compliment that you can give us. And of course, let us know how we're doing in the ratings below. But as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. (laughs) 